him. I don't think it was planned that way. Um, but also a special privilege this morning to have my new father-in-law here. So it's, a, it's an honor to have you here, Whitey. Um, and to all of you, um, it's good to see you. So this morning, um, I'd like to talk about something that's probably way bigger than I am. Actually, I know it is. Um, but I th- it's something that I felt probably for the last three weeks, it's probably where I should go with today's, to today's message. And the text I'm going to use this morning is found in Romans chapter 11, verses 9 and 10. Um, you can go ahead and turn to that if you want. Um, I'm not going to read it at this point. I'll read it a little bit later on. So when, you're, so when we're doing a series, it makes it really easy to know what to talk about, right? Because, well, it, it's assigned to you, and it's really nice because you know three, four, five weeks out ahead of time what you're going to be preaching on. Um, but when there's, there's nothing assigned, it's kind of fun in some ways because you can kind of do what you want. Um, in other ways, it can be kind of difficult, but I've, been, I've tried to be really intentional over the last two, three, even four weeks, um, just in praying and asking God, where does he want me to go with this? Um, and as God often does, I think, is he reveals himself or he shows us himself to us in ways or in places that we don't expect. Um, and that's kind of what happened, I guess, to me with um, this morning about three weeks ago. I want to be very conscious of the time here, so um, just bear with me. But about three weeks ago, um, let me back up just a little bit further. Usually we go to our pastor to help us free us from addictions if we have something that we're hooked on. Our pastor got me hooked on something. Um, <laughs> he didn't even know it, but... Here, I don't know, a couple months ago already, he had mentioned um, a series on Netflix. David, you can go ahead and put this quote up. Um, that is just, it's gripped me. I'm so fascinated by it. Um, it's called Criminal Minds. But they basically get into the mind of the perpetrator, and they figure out who, who he is by his behavior and whatnot. It's incredibly fascinating. At least to me it is. And I've, I've lost sleep over that thing, Marcus. <clears throat> um. But at the start and at the end of every episode, they, they have a quote. They read some quote from some, I don't know, philosopher or whatever. But they even quoted scripture on one of them in Genesis 3, so it's a, it's a good show. It's legit. But you see this quote. I ran across this one a little over three weeks ago. And it kind of stopped me in my tracks. And I quick went and got my journal and I wrote it down. Because I didn't want to forget. It says, We are so accustomed to disguise ourselves to others that in the end we become disguised to ourselves. So basically, what he's saying, and, and I'm not, you can barely read the guy's name there on the bottom. I'm not going to try to pronounce it because I can't. Maybe you've heard this quote many times before, I don't know. But something in that gripped me because. We have this tendency to present something of ourselves to the people around us that we think they want to see. And we can live that way for so long that we begin to believe that what we're presenting is actually who we are. When it's not who we are. It's not who God says we are. You see, I believe we were all created with an innate desire to know and to be known. 
and to love and to be loved. But when we're hiding behind a mask or this disguise, and I'm going to call it a mask this morning, when we're hiding behind a mask, we can gain respect, prestige, we can gain reputation, but we'll never find the freedom to allow ourselves to truly love one another, and we'll never find the freedom to truly allow ourselves to be loved. And so what I want to talk about, what I'm going to talk about this morning for a little bit is simply what I entitle removing the mask, removing our masks. And that's a, it's a, like I said, it's huge, it's way bigger, and there's going to be a lot of things, especially due to time, I'm going to cut some stuff out. A lot of things that could and should be said, but that won't be said this morning. Um, <clears throat> but I do want to say this, that when we talk about wearing our masks, the mask that we wear it's both a personal issue to each one of us as individuals, but it also becomes a corporate issue for us as a body, for any organization. Um, so it's personal and it's corporate. And there's two prime, primary ways that we uh, portray a mask, and we'll look at those a little bit later. But this is something that I have really wrestled with or something that God's really put a finger on my own life for, um, especially in the last couple of years, um, is is laying down what I want people to think of me, how I want to present myself. And and we get so good at doing that. We get so good at showing what we think people want to see. And the, the masks that we wear, they come from so many places in our lives. And I can't help but think of the, the victims of the of this terrible abuse that's taken place. The reality is without healing, through healing we find freedom. Those are things that cause us to wear a mask because we learn to protect ourselves. Never again will I expose myself or allow myself to be loved. And it's all through our lives that we pick up those things and it even happens within our own churches. We experience deep pain in our own churches. I think we can all relate to that. That cause us to put up walls. We start wearing masks to try to protect ourselves. But the reality is, I think, if we live in, in relationship with each other wearing a mask, wearing masks, disguising ourselves, then that's probably how we relate to God as well. But it's when we remove those masks that we find freedom to love and to be loved. But in doing so, there's great risk involved. I think that's just a, that's just a part of it. It's a reality. It's one of the most risky, maybe dangerous ways even to live, is to live vulnerable and authentic. But I don't think there's any more meaningful and fulfilling and purposeful way that we can possibly live. So this morning, really quickly, we're going to look at um, what is love, what are the masks we wear, why we wear them, and how we can be free from them. So Romans 12 Verses 9 and 10. Let love be genuine. This is in the ESV. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Now we're obviously jumping right in the middle and we're just getting a short little piece of this. But that's all we're going to do for this morning. Let your love be genuine. Literally it means let your love be without hypocrisy. The message paraphrases it, love from the center of who you are, don't fake it. I love, I love that paraphrase. 
So what is love and what does it mean to love without hypocrisy? I'm, just, I'm going to just go through this way, way too quickly, but what is love? Jesus told his disciples in John 13 and again in John 15 that we're to love each other as he loved us. And so I began to ask myself, what, what is that? How did Jesus actually love us? Not only in his going to the cross, but on earth while he was with the people, while he was with the disciples, how did Jesus love So let me, I just wrote down some ways, and there's many more. His love was sacrificial. His love was selfless. In John 13, right when he said that, he had just washed the feet of Judas, who went out to betray him. But I think his love was also confrontational. His love confronted sin. He did not condemn, but he brought conviction. He brought confrontation to sin. His love was not demanding. He gave us and He gives us the freedom to choose to respond to His love or to walk away from His love. Love that is hypocrisy desires response and desires to be loved in return, but it can never demand it. Think of the, the rich young ruler that Jesus went to and He told him what He did. I think the rich young ruler, I think, had good intentions when He came But he turned around and he walked away. And I think love let him walk away. Love didn't just go running after him trying to win him back in that way. So love does not demand. One of the best books I ever read, and I'll shamelessly promote it to you this morning, um, is Bold Love by Dan Allender. If you want to read a good book on what real love is, um, just go ahead and read that book. In Matthew... 23, I'm not going to read it just because of the sake of time again, but when we talk about loving without hypocrisy, we all know that some of the people that Jesus was spoke the most harshly to um, were the Pharisees, the scribes and the Pharisees. And in, in Rome, um, Matthew 23, Jesus talked, he pronounced seven woes on the scribes and the Pharisees. And the woes, I discovered, are, are, is a feeling of deep grief. I used to think it was like, well, Jesus, it's a curse that he's pronouncing on him. But it's deep grief that Jesus felt because of how they live. But he called them in almost all seven of those, he called them just, he starts with scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. And the, in 23 to, verses 23, or 25 to 28, um, I'll just paraphrase it, but he talks, talks to them about washing the outside of the cup while the inside of the cup is filthy. And he talks to them about being whitewashed tombs. You make your tombs look beautiful. Your life is like a tomb. You make it look beautiful on the outside, but inside is nothing but death. And you think about that analogy there. That's how much of our lives do we live that way? Do I? I'm asking myself. I make myself look good. I want to to come across like I've got it together and I wear these masks But if you could get in behind that mask for just a little bit, what would you really see? Can we start from the inside and work our way out? That's what Jesus told them to do there in Matthew 23. So this morning I'm going to suggest that there's two overarching reasons why we wear a mask. And those two reasons are, the first one is simply we want to portray an image. 
We want to appear better on the outside than we really are because we crave the approval of people. Here's just a couple examples where we find ourselves, I find myself. We're overly concerned that people like the way we taught Sunday school class or you name it, put yourself whatever in there that, that strikes you. We derive our value from how many people comment kindly about our sermon. Maybe this, as fathers, this morning, how concerned are we with, why are we so concerned with our children's behavior? How often is it because I want people to think I'm a good dad, I'm a good mom? How often do we do that? That hits a little bit closer to home. And sometimes we're more concerned about how they appear on the outside than we are about seeing them develop and grow into a relationship with Jesus. So we can look pretty amazing with all our external sacrifices and we can still not love. Read 1 Corinthians 13, it's full of it. We can gain reputation and prestige and give the appearance that we have life figured out. But if we could remove the mask for just a moment, it would reveal emptiness, pain, loneliness, and a cry to be loved for who we are. So it's both personal and corporate, as I had said at the start. And in in the first phrase, or the first sentence in verse 9 of our text, is let love be genuine, without hypocrisy, but he follows it up with abhor what is evil. And I've come to discover, and I believe it's true, and I believe it's happening now, and I thank God that it is, that sometimes when we refuse to move our, remove our masks, God will do it for us. And so that's why I say it's both personal and corporate. And I really wrestled yesterday especially just with this whole thing that we're witnessing in our community. Just, it breaks my heart. The abuse that's taken place, I find it so sickening. But let me ask us, in our own churches and in our culture, not just, it's, it's not just our culture, but this one hits home because it is our culture. It seems to me, and you can disagree with me, but you're just going to hear from my heart right now, I guess, that in our culture, we have for so long masked ourselves to the world that we've become masked and deceived into thinking that this kind of sin is not a part of our problem, that it's not a part of who we are. We've lived with this belief that abuse, specifically sexual abuse, is not a part of our culture. And if it is or it has been known to be a part of our culture, we've simply hushed it because it brings so much shame. And it's a sin problem and we fool ourselves into thinking that somehow we're above it. That somehow that when it's exposed, that somehow we're above facing the consequences. Love that is without hypocrisy does not sit idly by and not speak out. I think love cries out, stop, it has to stop. At some point, love has to become Confrontational, love, confrontational, and love has to become 
and action leading out against and speaking out for those who are victimized. It breaks my heart. It makes me so angry when we're more concerned about the appearance, how it makes me look, than we are about the actual sin that has been committed. And the reality is, if we're honest, and if statistics hold true, and I believe they do, another thing I wanted to say that is, I think there's a part of us that has believed it's not a part of our culture, it's not a part of in, in our circles. I think the reality is it's in our circles, but it's also pretty rampant in our circles if it just it becomes exposed. And so statistics say that in any group this size, there's probably a significant number of people who have been victimized at some point in our lives. Let me say, and I know I can speak for everyone on the leadership, that I'm sorry, first of all, and I, we long for you to find freedom. But I'll also say that we will be your voice. We will speak out and say this needs to stop. We cannot sit idly by and let these, this kind of atrocities continue and do nothing. Love that is genuine and takes off the mask effectively, actively confronts the evil in the way that Jesus did. And when we, can, when we see these things in our churches, and sometimes you get angry enough that if I'm honest, it just makes you want to throw up your hand and say, phooey, this is, this is ridiculous. You just want to, you want to quit, you want to give up. But I believe that God is bringing to light for our own purposes, for our own sake. Let me read just something um, this is a screenshot. This is something, just a quote, a short quote from Beth Moore, but I think it touches exactly where we are. She says this, and I quote, Man, I'm about to sound old school. And this is not concerning what we're dealing with. This, is, this, is, this has nothing to do with our, our situation in our culture here or in our community. But she says, I'm unnerved at how relentlessly Jesus is bringing purifying fires to his church. The purpose is glory. The purpose is glory, but the process is going to get gory. This era will be marked by secrets manifesting. What we don't fish up and clean up is going to float up. And I would suggest, or I would plead with us to not let it float up. Let's fish it up. Let's bring it out. Let's expose it. Let's stand for truth. And I believe that it's God's mercy and His grace that is bringing to light the things that we have so long cloaked in darkness. Because it's only as the darkness is exposed to light that freedom is found. So what about us? What about our church here? What image are we wanting to present? We can find a lot of pride, if we're honest. Sometimes... Or let us, let's just ask ourselves, are we wanting to present an image that has it, we've got it, we're a church that has it figured out. We've perfected the balance of conservatism or, liber, or liberalism. Is that what we're trying to present? But I'm in calling us, I'm asking us as a church to be a church that will openly embrace our brokenness and our own sin and face it 
so that we can exalt Christ and not PCF? Will we stand for truth over the reputation of PCF? And will we stand for the broken, the hurting, over our own reputation? Can we truly love, learn to love the way Jesus did without hypocrisy and without pretense? If we present anything other than the cross of Jesus Christ, then I think we're missing the mark. And the second reason we wear masks, and I'm just, I'm just going to mention it, then I'm just going to skip it, is we wear masks to protect ourselves. And that should maybe just be a whole another one by itself, because that's much more on a personal level. But the masks, let me just jump to the conclusion here. The masks we wear reveal where we place our identity. So think about that. Masks we wear reveal where we place our identity. And also, a mask, the masks we wear are always symptoms. They're not, there's always, it's always a symptom of a deeper issue. It's not the issue itself. There's deeper issues. <clears throat> so what do we do with it? So what do we do with our masks? It's only that in humility at the foot of the cross that we find the freedom and the courage to remove the mask. Because it's on the cross that Jesus bore everything that we try to hide with our masks. On the cross, he took our shame. On the cross, he was despised. He was rejected. He was acquainted with grief. He was despised. He carried our sorrow. He was crushed. He was chastised. He brought us peace. At the cross is the place where we find redemption for everything that our masks are trying to hide. And therein, we find the freedom to take off our masks. And if we're going to be a church with accountable men, that's something we pledge, that's part of our vision, that's what we want, then we as men are going to have to be willing to remove our masks. If we're going to be a church that will stand for the helpless and for the orphan and for, the, for all the weak, then we have to be willing to remove our masks. And also if we're going to be a church where we are going to experience deep and meaningful relationships, then we're going to have to be willing to remove our masks. May we individually and as a church embrace the way of the cross, throw off our masks for the sake of exalting Christ and not ourselves. Let's pray. God, thank you this morning for the cross. Lord, it's at the cross that we find freedom. It's at the cross that we find healing. And it's at the cross that you took and carried all the pain, all the shame, all the rejection, all the hurt that we experience. I'm so grateful that we can come and bring all of that and lay it down at the cross so we don't have to carry it alone. You carried it for us. So I thank you. 
God, I pray that we would be called out as a church here at PCF who stands for truth, who are willing to lay down our own reputation that we would not ever be putting PCF out there, but that we would be forever putting the love of Christ and the cross of Christ at the forefront in everything that we do, in the way we live our lives individually and in the way we live our lives corporately. For your glory.